0: This is Many Lamps in the Room, a podcast by and for New City Church in Vienna, Virginia. This week, Mark and I engage with the pressures of consumerism in our families, and we discuss how we might take initiative in promoting a healthy relationship to our stuff. Before we get to that, however, part of our Sunday liturgy includes a question from the New City Catechism, and we'd like to begin each episode with some thoughts about how we can follow up on that question throughout the week in Family Conversations
1: question number three which is how many persons are there in god and the answer there are three persons in the one true and living god the father the son and the holy spirit they are the same in substance equal in power and
0: glory Uh, The Trinity is something that causes a lot of questions, not only for little kids, but also for adults, for grown believers, for mature believers. Parents shouldn't shy away from the Trinity. I think parents don't have to feel the need to completely explain the Trinity Mm. to their or their kids' satisfaction part of the whole deal of the Trinity is that it is beyond our comprehension. It is a mystery. And I think it speaks a little bit to something that we mentioned last week, which is that God is both other than us in that he is so much more holy, so much bigger, more powerful, more wise, beyond our comprehension in many ways. And yet at the same time, He is for us and he loves us and he knows us intimately. And the Trinity actually sort of encapsulates that beautifully because the Trinity emphasizes that there is a creator creature distinction, that God the creator is different from us and in some ways is unknowable to us, that he has a level of sophistication and complexity, and community, fellowship within himself, Mm self-sufficiency, that is alien to us. And that is part of who he is. And part of what we must accept about God is that he's not something that we can wrap our minds around, or put in our pocket, or control, or feel like we can negotiate. He is instead utterly magnificent beyond what we can hold in our minds. And it's good to emphasize to kids that God is grand, that God is bigger than the earth, bigger than the universe. The stuff that they're learning in school about solar systems and galaxy clusters and, you know, cosmic superstructures, God made that, and he sustains that, and he holds that all the way down to the littlest quark, to the biggest supernova. He's got it all within the palm of his hand. That is something that we can just be in awe of. He is something that deserves our worship and glory and awe, and the Trinity shows us that that he has within himself a sense of being that baffles us. And at the same time, that very sense of being, the three-person Godhead, is actually working in unison for our behalf. That God the Father sends God the Son and enables God the Spirit. And they work in harmony and in unison to bring sinners to God's love, to reunion with God. That Trinity is completely unified in purpose to give himself glory through the redemption of his people. And that's you. That's me. That's, you know, our kids. And for them to know that God is awesome, and yet at the same time, God loves you so much. You know, I I look at an ant, and I don't have any feelings for it. <laughs> I see a mosquito batting around, annoying me. I My impulse is to swat it and, you know, destroy it, really. Mm. But God's not like that with us. Yeah. And even in his awesomeness, he does not scorn us. He does not dismiss us. Instead, he seeks us out and embraces us and pursues mm. us. Mm. I think there's that one
1: Hillsong song that kind of talks about he, like, he didn't want heaven without you. Yes, um, okay. And, and in that sense, it, it kind of elevates man to the point of or importance of man in God's eye. Yes, God indeed loves us tremendously that mm. he would send his son to die for us. Mm. But did he do that because he was lonely? No. Because he couldn't live in heaven without us. No. And and like you said, no. It's because he there again. The Trinity makes sense because if God was truly just one and not Trinity or triune in nature, then you might fathom being alone. Maybe he's lonely. Yeah. But with the Trinity, you know that's not the case because even Christ talks about the relationship he has with the Father the three persons of God were in perfect unity perfect fellowship from the beginning the love um,
0: that he has right is so so much more transcendent so much mm-hmm. pure so much otherworldly than what we can ever in our sinfulness can ever right. know you know, yeah. the fellowship that he has within himself, but also even, like you said, the love that he has to us, that he doesn't need us, and yet he loves us, you know, yeah. versus the kind of love that we often feel, which is that we often, you know, have infatuations because we're trying to pursue, you know, emptiness and loneliness within ourselves. You know, right. that's how we understand love oftentimes, but that's not how God understands love. His love is... Just at another level. Right, yeah.
1: Another reason why
0: you shouldn't skip over talking about it because it is very important. Mm-hmm. The Trinity is to be embraced. If you just read through the Gospels with your kids and discuss the Gospel, that is, that is a topic that will come up. If you read through Proverbs with your kids... Yeah that is a topic that is going to come up with prime day coming sooner and sooner <laughs> and the holidays i can just sort of kind of feel the walls squeezing a little bit around me you know mm. and and people <laughs> and and in my family people are already making Christmas wish lists, you know, and, yeah. <laughs> and asking that we share them with one another. Maybe we we can have a little bit of a discussion about consumerism and hmm. the pressure to fall into consumerism, the pervasiveness of capitalism around us, and and how we as Christians can respond to this. There's this draw that there's
1: a the newest latest. Thing out there that you're missing out on and and you need to add to your collection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's something that, you know, as Christians, it's something for us to be mindful of. What is consumerism? You know, like, where does it kind of come from? Is it bad? Is it good? I think it would be useful to understand that it is kind of the air that we breathe. Mm-hmm right whether you believe it or not you're constantly watching commercials or, you know you have these things that you do
0: buy mm-hmm. you know
1: why do you buy those
0: things yeah it's it's interesting how the pressure of consumerism has evolved and morphed even within our lifetime i feel that mm-hmm. as a kid i watched way more commercials than my kids have because yeah. I tried to watch a lot of TV. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. And those commercials would come on every 10, 15 minutes, even though the, our kids maybe perhaps see fewer commercials, although Netflix is planning to to add commercials, and they see commercials oh. on YouTube. <laughs> you know, they there is this whole influencer cu- culture that's yeah. come up, even though they m- might not be exposed to corporate packaged commercials, there mm-hmm. still is an undercurrent of a pressure to buy things in order to mm-hmm. define your identity or to solve problems within your life. Mm-hmm. Like you said, it's it's just part of the air we breathe in America. <laughs> One of the unspoken rules, it seems, in our culture is that being a good citizen means being a good consumer. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah. Consumerism is really a doctrine of our society, uh-huh. hmm. and one of the things that you can do is consider alongside with your kids how they're being catechized into this doctrine
1: uh-huh. in All our right. society.
0: That's good. Mm-hmm. Where, if they see something, and they, or if they, if they have an intense desire to buy something. You can interrogate that a little bit and say, well, is this Con? where did you hear about this? Why do you want this so much, right? Yeah. And sort of look at, you know, how do influencers get you to buy stuff? You know? Yeah. How do they make certain things attractive? How do these advertisements work? When you go on to Amazon, why do you feel like you need to buy this right away? What sort of... <laughs> what sort of clues are they signaling to you that this is that this needs to be an urgent purchase you know yeah and just sort of looking at all the little rhetorical tricks and mechanisms that surround us and having your kids clue into that and be skeptical of that you know you know the the world is constantly teaching them to be skeptical of religion we need to teach them to be skeptical of the world, you know? <laughs> I think an appropriate
1: thing also to address consumerism in church, right? Mm. Or the way that we, because we're so used to consumerism, oh, man. when we come to church, we, we treat it the same way, right? Mm. Where we come to church and we're just there to consume things, mm. and then that's it. We demand and we want things, So how does that affect, again,
0: our church communities? Does that affect our own spiritual growth? Yeah, you're right. Consumerism is essentially not about the stuff itself. It's about the mindset. It's about the attitude, right? How you see the environment around you as objects that serve your needs,
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: that can extend to people that can extend to institutions that can of course extend to stuff it can extend to your associations and alliances you know yeah mm-hmm. certainly yeah. church can be a product to you you know mm-hmm. your husband or your wife can be a product to you mm-hmm. right your kids or your parents you might think of them as things objects in your life that meet your needs instead of as people that you actually have a relationship with I mean really that's that's yeah. at the heart of idolatry right right yeah absolutely so even if you're in a in a, in a society that's not so capitalistic there's still that impulse there's mm-hmm. still that desire there's still that temptation to reduce the things the creation the good creation around you Mm
1: -hmm.
0: into things and idols and objects that you exploit yeah
1: i mean it's it's an interesting thing because again you would think as christians today you know we should be i guess i ideally we wouldn't struggle with consumerism but like anyone i think consumerism feeds off of humans innate ability to produce idols Hmm.
0: their insecurities Hmm. their need to control the world
1: because i don't think everyone struggles with consumerism in the same way why are You know, why are people making these purchases? Mm. Why, you know, is it for security? Is it for status? Status? Is it for power? You know, what are these things for? Because, again, a lot of the commercials that you see, they target those things, Mm -hmm. right? They say, if you get this, then you will be safe. Mm. If you get this, then you will be the talk of the town. Mm. And so you you need to get it yeah and it's an interesting struggle because the material world the physical world we know is good because god has made it and yet because of satan there's this twisting of that good and making these things into ultimate things, right? Mm. Making them into idols. And that's where you know consumerism really affects us is that we have this drive, an irrational drive to continue to buy and to continue to get more in the hopes that it will, you know, do what God is supposed to fulfill in our lives. Mm.
0: If you have a child that is having a problem with this. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Let's say you have a kid who is maybe a little bit too invested in Christmas presents. Maybe you have a kid who regularly throws tantrums if he doesn't get what he wants. Or if he sees things in the store that he just wants to purchase right away. How would you deal with that? What sort of things could parents sort of keep in mind to handle that kind of situation? Throw everything away. No, that, that no, is a that's... solution. You can start. <laughs> I guess. I guess that could be a little bit ex- extreme, but yeah, that is something you could do.
1: <laughs> this idea that this child has that is unhealthy is that this object that they desire, it's it's an idol, right? Mm-hmm. It has become an idol that if only I had this, I would be happy and everything would be right in the world. Mm-hmm. But I think every parent knows as soon as you buy that for them, they play with it for the first couple days and then it's <laughs> it's gone, right? Yeah. It's on to the next thing. They're never satisfied. So as we're thinking about this consumerism that even children are prone to, you know, it's as parents, it's how do we guard our children's hearts? How do we guide and shepherd them to God, Mm -hmm. right? That how do we point them to the truth that God is the only one that satisfies and not these worldly things? We have the nuance that, worldly things aren't inherently evil or sinful but they will never produce our greatest good or our greatest joy Mm. the only one that could do that is god and so it's how do we get there right how do parents get their children to that understanding like is it maybe even on you or is it the way that you have kind of slowly built this understanding even in this child's heart that these objects and these things will bring me joy. Right. So if, you know, imagine like if ever your child is down, you know, instead of maybe talking with them, spending time with them, playing with them, you buy them a toy or you buy them a video game Mm. and they slowly begin to associate, Oh, these objects are things that will make me happy Mm. and make me feel better. That makes you even think about birthdays, makes you think about Christmas, like what are we naturally inculcating into our children's hearts and minds Mm. when we just throw gifts at them. So they always associate gifts with their own pleasure, their own happiness. And then I think it drives that idea, like, I want more of that. I Mm. need more of that Mm. to make me happy. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, parenting is so humbling because Mm -hmm. every time you see something that is perhaps troubling in your child, it -hmm. really directs it back to your own heart Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) because you are often such an influence on your kids. And even if it doesn't come directly from you, Mm -hmm. you are a presence in their lives that can address that and Mm -hmm. can model another way forward and so yeah i mean those kinds of dilemmas often provide good but hard looks at one's own self and your own idols and and the way Mm -hmm. that you perhaps have communicated out that you have an unhealthy relationship with stuff let's take a quick break and have Mark remind you about one or two things going on in the life of our church
1: we have several things that are coming up the most pressing would be the fall festival which is going to be on October 30th which is a Sunday right after second service it's a great time to play games eat candy eat food and also we're doing that great fundraiser pie a pastor ah. all the proceeds will go to home stretch or rather kid stretch which is the daycare that home stretch operates oh and so yeah so all the proceeds will go to them so please come out to that and if you would like to help out there is volunteer signups all around or you can contact me at mark at newcityva.org. and then just one other announcement is in November. Eight, we will have our second respite night, and this is for our church members. They can drop their kids off and have three hours of respite. <laughs> Basically, this is a respite for parents. parents. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so the kids will have dinner and then we'll play games, have some lessons. And so it's a, it's a really fun time and educational time. So that's coming up on November 18th. Registration is open for that. And you can access the registration
0: through our newsletter, or again, just contact me. Great. The Bible speaks a lot about wealth and money. Mm -hmm. Jesus himself talks about money a lot. And probably pro- the number one talked about topic, right? Yeah, yeah. So if you, if you just read through the Gospels with your kids and discuss the Gospel, that is, that is a topic that will come up. If you read through Proverbs with your kids, yeah. that is a topic that is going to come up, right? If you look at Proverbs 10, I gave a sermon on Proverbs 10 a while ago, but one of the things that you see there is that wealth is both a burden for the poor and the rich. If you live in deprivation, that poverty consumes your attention. And that is kind of the only thing that you can think about. There is an oppression of, of needing things, basic things. And there's also an oppression of constantly comparing yourself to those who are having it better. Mm. and But at the same time, for the rich, Proverbs 10 describes wealth as a stronghold for them in the sense that it is something that they cling on to as their own sense of wealth, of worth and security, mm. that it fosters a kind of blindness to others, isolation from others, and personal entitlement that corrupts their morality. And so I think having that kind of discussion with kids where you talk about like, what would be the problems with being obsessed with wealth? Why do you think the poor are often obsessed with wealth? Why -hmm. do you think that people who have billions of dollars still want tax cuts, still want to get even more wealthy. Mm -hmm. And having these kinds of discussions and seeing how Proverbs and the Bible directly relates to issues that they're seeing in the world around them, issues of equity, issues of consumerism, are wonderful wisdom lessons. If you're thinking about you know, consumerism as if you think about it more as like
1: a disease or illness, you know, there's preventative measures that you could do so that your child doesn't develop that consumeristic mentality in a very practical sense, kind of being minimalistic, I think can help just the idea that Hmm. we don't need a lot in order to be happy. Right. I think one tip that one parent had was that their children don't have a lot of toys. They only have a certain number of toys, and then that's it. They don't get them any more toys. And if, they, or if they do get more toys, then they have to get rid of toys. So it's always a set number of toys. Mm. It builds this idea that I don't need a lot in order to be happy. But they said another kind of cool side effect is they begin to be more creative with the toys that they have Mm.
0: because they're not like other things. So they have to kind of play with them in a different way. Mm. I do that with apps on the iPad. Actually, if, if the kids ask Uh me for like a new game, Uh then, you know, of course, if they, if they have to purchase the game, they'll have to purchase it with their allowance. Uh Um, But even, even if it's a game that I already have, bought in the past and and is free if they want it I'll say well you're going to have to get rid of one of the games that you already have in your iPad mm-hmm. you got to decide which one you're willing yeah. to kick out in order to get, to pull another one in Mhm
1: And I think that just kind of teaches them yeah there's uh, you know is it actually worth it to get this thing that I thought I initially wanted? Mm. And so, yeah, like in general, just having less, I think, helps just in their own minds. Like there's not a lot around. So I don't need things. So I think that could help. Another one, like like gifts, right? Like on birthdays and on holidays, you know, some families are like, no gifts. We'll just do experiences. We'll go through things or you know, We'll do things together, but there, there won't be a physical gift. Mm. Other parents are like, oh, no, we'll do gifts, but they'll kind of control the gifts, mm. right? Or they'll say like, all right, we, you get to pick a certain number of gifts, and then you can play with that now. And the rest we just put away, yeah. and we'll slowly kind of introduce
0: them, but we're not going to have them all at one time. Yeah, I I agree with that because, you know, kids can get, and not just kids, you know, adults too. We can get overwhelmed with stuff, mm -hmm. you know, and if our brains can only handle a certain amount. And and if you get the sense that you have a plethora, a cornucopia of Uh stuff around you, then Mm -hmm. it becomes the value of the stuff around you diminishes mm-hmm. and you don't really t- appreciate or take, you start to just not even take for granted. I think just don't know how to deal with all the stuff around you. Whereas mm-hmm. if it's just like one thing in front of you at a time, you can sort of kind of wonder and marvel and enjoy that one thing and appreciate mm-hmm. that. It, it. I think it, Increases appreciation if it's doled out in manageable amounts. So kind of teaching kids, I think, to be content with what they have.
1: I think that's a good thing. Another is just even them that giving can also be joyful. Yeah. Generosity, right? Right. What are ways that parents can kind of teach their kids that, you know, giving and giving to others is a
0: joyous thing and it you know a what good thing. kids love to give kids mm. love to be generous to others yeah. they do it's actually pleasurable for them to share i i know that sometimes it's hard to share sometimes <laughs> if you're if you're particularly focused on a on a, a particular activity or way of doing things or a, or a certain toy in front of you it's hard to sort of like break out of that mindset and mm. to be flexible in your thinking of when you're of a certain age. But, you know, in certain modes, kids actually love to make other kids feel great. And mm. so this really isn't about being killjoys, right? Uh-huh. When we are managing materialism for kids, it's not about this so-called Puritan you know, asceticism, Mm -hmm. where you're just trying to drain all the pleasure out of life, right? It's actually about being present and really enjoying it when somebody gives you something, right? Mm -hmm. And also really enjoying when you give something to somebody else. Yeah. This is a recommendation for a local organization called Upcycle, In Alexandria, they recently moved their location to share a makerspace on Eisenhower Avenue in Alexandria, but you can find them at upcyclecrc.org. And basically, it's a non-profit organization that receives donations of materials that can be used and reused for crafts Mm -hmm. and for making projects. So, they will accept things like, you know, paper, leftover glitter, toilet paper rolls... Mm -hmm. And they will store all that stuff, and you can actually purchase a membership, which allows you to actually go into their storage area. And anytime Mm -hmm. you need materials for a project or a craft or something, you can essentially kind of go through their bins and their shop, if you can think of Mm -hmm. it like that, and get the stuff that you need, right? They also hold classes, and workshops where they get kids together and, and you can drop in and they'll have projects for kids to do. But what I'll do is I'll take a bunch of stuff that I have that I've been sort of holding on to. And especially, this is especially true for after the holidays. You will always have a ton of boxes and, you know, wrapping paper and, you know, just lots of materials and you can just gather that up you know organize it nicely and send it over to them and they can handle it instead of you having to you know tuck it away in in some closet thinking maybe one day I'll do something with this <laughs> with the kids right mm. <clears throat> which which is a tendency that I might have but and the, and they'll use that to do science projects and craft projects with with the rest of the community. And mm-hmm. so I highly recommend that organization. Again, it's it's not an, a faith-based organization, but, you know, along the lines of what we've been talking about, I, it's a it's a good resource in the community, especially especially if you live in or near Alexandria. It's called Upcycle. upcyclecrc.org.
1: Mine is you know, it's you've probably heard this before, but I think it's a good reminder in light of again our topic today. Is I think especially because we have computers, we have our phones, we have the ability to purchase things in an instant. Hmm. So it's so much harder to restrain ourselves from purchasing things on a whim more than ever. Nobody, nobody ever sleeps on it. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And, but that's, that's the tip is that, yeah, you should sleep on it, but not even just one day. I've heard it's like, give it three days. Oh. And if after three days, you still want that item. Yeah. Then get it. Uh huh. But most likely it's, yeah. Yeah within moments i usually
0: figure out i don't need something and like, you can do that... you can do this with kids yeah you can do this with yeah. kids so if kids say i want this and i'll mm-hmm. you can totally say i hear you i'm a little busy right now let's actually table this and then the next day or as you say 3 days later you can come mm-hmm. back to them and say do you still want this yeah yeah <laughs> Because, you know, I, I, I think it was a couple of days ago, I, I
1: did the, that very thing. You know, I was looking online and, you know, they have this little, you know, these little butane canisters because I have one of those tabletop grills. But you can buy these little torch things that you can put on the top of the butane canisters and have yourself a, a torch. Uh-huh. I was like, that's kind of cool. It could be useful. And I was on the verge of buying it. But then I thought, no, like, it's not something that I would use often. And it would just be something that I would store as another kind of interesting tool, but Mm -hmm. not really use. So I sat on it for maybe like an hour. And then, yeah, I was like, nope, don't need it. And then I skipped over it. But I think that's the same thing with anything is just, you know, sit on it. And then think about it, if you have this moment where you have to take a pause, it allows you to kind of ruminate on it. And hopefully you're able to make the wise decision to put it back or to take it out of your shopping carts. I think that's a way that we can curb our consumerism. And like you said, that's something that you can start to kind of do with your own children as they demand things or want things to say, hey, let's sit on this. I'm not saying no, but how about you think about it for, you know, a couple hours, maybe a day, however long you want to do it and see if their desire for this thing goes
0: away. We pray our discussion was edifying to you and we'd love to hear any feedback. Mark's email is mark at newcityva.org. Stephen Price provided the music and you can find more of it at almadogma.bandcamp.com. That's A L M A dogma.bandcamp.com We're recording on equipment generously donated by Sonny Kim and you can find out more about our church at newcityva.org Thanks for listening and until next time watch those windows I have this deal with them where on Christmases and birthdays they get to I don't really buy them any presents, but mm. if they wanted to buy a present for themselves, I'll pay for half. So they uh-huh. they usually they usually <laughs> hoard all of their allowance for those occasions when they know that they'll be able to get a really really good 50% off deal on on stuff. <clears throat>